it's episode three. MotoGP is at Mizano. We plan a trip to Coda, and we talk about some things you should know about planning a trip. Hopefully, we don't give you highway hypnosis. This is Crossed Up Podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast. I'm Derek. I'm Brian. And uh, first thing we wanted to talk about was um, MotoGP this week. Going to keep it real short. Um, you want to you wanna start off, Brian? Yeah, so this was a super interesting race. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened. And frankly, it was a, honestly a pretty, pretty good race. But, oh my God, some Not, things were ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it got it got a little boring in the middle. Um, yeah, there there wasn't a lot of passing. Uh, everyone kind of just found their spot, and for the most part, stayed there. Yeah, there were some mistakes that were made in a few by a few different riders, um, and uh, uh, I mean. Franco Morbidelli got his first uh, podium. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Whoops. But, yeah. Um, in case you know our viewers, I didn't. Well, yeah, I didn't well, say we, they weren't going to be spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think our listeners know that once we start yeah, talking about GP, it's spoilers. Yeah, it's spoiler. Yeah. So the the hardest part of this race was Vinales. Honestly, just. He did well in practice, did well in qualifying. I mean, he crushed the lap record and then comes in sixth. Yeah, well, you had a great quote from him. What did, what did he say? Uh, he said, like, I, I don't know why. <laughs> you, you might want to just pull it up real quick if you can. <laughs> we can cut out some time. So, Vignales said, from FP1 to Q2, I'm always inside the top three. Always with the best rhythm. I don't have an explanation. Nobody has given me an explanation. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, Vinales is completely unable to come to his own conclusion as to why he is slow. Yeah. He's yeah. baffled. <laughs> I, do, I do well in practice, and then I qualify really well. But then I'm shit in the race. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like... Uh, you know, it, he just chokes. He's got severe asthma and just chokes <laughs> super hard when it time, comes time to to actually uh, race. I have asthma, by the way. So, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I saw some theories that people said that this season is super weird and kind of unpredictable because of the new rear tire change and i guess he still he still set all those crazy yeah, qualifying yeah. numbers on medium tires and then started the race on hards yeah he i don't know why he started on hards uh you know like really when you choose hards if you choose a hard tire it's because you think the race is going to come down to tire wear yeah but the race didn't come down to tire wear. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It, it was all. It was a lot of laps of a very short track. Yeah. Um. I think the lap times were only like a minute and thirty-three. It's not a fast track either. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. 
it, it wasn't like the last track where you're going, you're getting up to 300 miles an hour or 200 some miles an hour. And then, th- I was saying 300 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Uh, but you're getting up to these insane speeds and slowing back down and you're killing your tires. Yeah. It was a very constant speed. Yeah. Yeah. Not, very, not as much of a fluctuation. Yeah. Very technical. A lot of very tight corners that don't have a lot of really long straights in between. So most of your, most of your cornering speeds are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And the, that hard tire choice just really, really killed the race for him. It, it really did. Um, so there was another big upset, which was Rossi getting passed in the last lap by Joanne Mir. Yeah. And it looked like he was completely unprepared yeah. for anyone to be behind him. Yeah. He, it looked yeah. like he was in the middle of the corner and then he looks, looks a little bit more and goes, oh, there's someone right there. <laughs> And he tries leaning in a little harder and getting more aggressive, and it's just too late. Yeah. It was just way too late. Mir was already there, already had a little bit more speed, and a faster bike, and it was over for Rossi. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to be thinking at that moment, Rossi is probably thinking, man, why did I start a racing academy? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think part of it is... I don't know why. It looked like Rossi wasn't pushing it as hard as he could until he saw Mir there. It makes you wonder why is he not... Why wasn't he pushing a little harder? It's the last lap. Yeah. And it kind of looked like he was sitting back a little bit. Not not a ton, I mean. But he, he had a little bit more to give that he wasn't giving on the last lap. And it, it makes you wonder a little bit about where his head is at as a rider and as a racer a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting he keeps getting beaten by his former students <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I mean, you can't argue that he was the best at one point. You can't argue with that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. He's getting old. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it's a young man's game. Yeah, and you, I mean, it's the craziest thing is that a lot of riders on the track are half of his age. Yeah, yeah, which, and, but they're you know, still way behind him. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of riders that are not as fast as Rossi, yeah. even though they're half his age. But you know, at the same time, if there were any, you you had said this. If there were any other riders of similar age, putting in similar performances as Rossi. They probably wouldn't get picked up. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. even if they were five years younger, they probably yeah. still wouldn't get picked up just because of how old they are. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is a testament to his skill and his capabilities, but at this point... And his fan base. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, at this point, he's he's old. Yeah. He's over 40 now, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, he's over 41 Something like, I, I yeah. don't even want to guess. Um, Something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, so if you guys haven't watched the race, I encourage you to go watch it. Definitely. But we're I, gonna... Oh, well, there was the one last one, which was um, Rins' crashes. Oh, Quadraro. Oh, jeez, yeah. I always say Rins. <laughs> but 
But yeah, so, Quadraro crashed. Yeah. Not once, but twice. <laughs> yeah. So same thing both times. Yeah, same thing he both times. He between them. Side. He like he pitted. I I saw a clip of him going into the pit yeah, lane. Yeah, there were there were a, like two seconds where we saw Quadraro in the pit, and then within a minute he was on on his side again. He, yeah. The bike was down and. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened there. I'd, I'd like to find out more. Yeah, we know the first time he tucked the front. Yeah. The second time, it was a little bit less sure, but he low-sided and just yeah. slid out. But, yeah, twice in the same race. <laughs> that was... I, I mean, I have I mentioned to you when you'd said that, I I'd mentioned that I'd seen races where, uh, in Moto2 and Moto3, where people had crashed, like, three times. And then they were like, yeah... I'm out. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there was that one time that they had that crash on, like, the third lap or something like that, and half the field went down, and then some yeah. of those people ended up crashing again. But, um, it's a weird, it's weird to watch these people scramble around to try to get back on their bike and get back on the track. It's, yeah. You're kind of like, wait, what? Like, you just crashed. How can you rejoin the race? And, well, most of the time they wreck their bikes, but when they can... It's just interesting that they do rejoin the race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep the MotoGP segment short as usual. Yeah. And so speaking of MotoGP, there is a race in America. Yeah. What is that race, Derek? It is Circuit of the Americas. It is one of the, like, five Red Bull circuits. Um, Out of the way too many Red Bull circuits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Well, yeah, it's one of too many. Red Bull circuits. Um, it's uh, down in Texas, right outside Austin. And uh, it's the only MotoGP race in... Um, oh, well, no, no. That, that's a lie. There's one in Quebec. Um, and there's one in... Um, no. My bad. No, there's not. I'm thinking Formula One. Yeah. There's no MotoGP race in Quebec. My mistake. Um, but there's only one MotoGP race in the United States, and that is Coda. Yep. Yeah. So that is kind of the big special thing about Coda is that it's the only MotoGP race, and that makes it extremely popular extremely. for a lot of people in the Americas. <laughs> yeah. Really, I, I think North America is probably its biggest yeah. market, though. And frankly, the U.S. is probably most of it. I don't think that there are many people coming from Canada or Mexico to to watch Coda. Yeah, I I I imagine there are actually quite a few people who come internationally, but that's with every MotoGP race. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but either either way, um, it's accessible to us. Exactly. We don't need to go outside the country, pay huge flying fees, and all of that. We just have to pay for gas. Yeah, and everything else along the way. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk through how we plan our trip. Yeah. Because Derek and I are planning on riding down there for next year's MotoGP, where we're going to hopefully provide a little bit of coverage. And yeah. so we're, we're going to kind of have sort of a, a little chat while we sort of figure some of some of the the plans out yeah so um 
a lot of people who get into motorcycle riding, um, I mean, there's some people who never want to go on trips. They just want to ride around. That's fine. You know, um, I absolutely love going on trips. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is to get on my motorcycle, ride for hours and hours and hours for days, and then come back. And I, I don't know. I find it really fun. You see really cool stuff. You see amazing roads. You eat amazing food. You take in different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, I, it's just been... I've been doing long trips since... Well, I don't even know when. Um, but my first really long trip was doing the East Coast, where I rode from uh, New York down to Key West, back up to Maine, did some off-roading in Maine, back through Vermont to New York again. And uh, that was about a three-week trip. So, and I planned that all solo. Um, eh, not all solo. I rode with another group and split off. After that, it was solo. So, I've done a fair amount of trip planning. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we had some special tr- plan for the trip down. So, I think we should probably talk about our trip back. Yeah. Yeah. So... This will be my first overnight trip of any kind. I've done some, you know, smaller ride planning where, you know, really I've just kind of planned a couple of like half day rides, things like that. But I haven't actually planned a, a any kind of overnight trip or anything that's longer than maybe about 200 miles. So this is going to give you guys a little bit of uh, kind of like a nice little look into how both of us are thinking as we go through our trip planning. So uh, we're starting at Circuit of the Americas, which for all intents and purposes, for the beginning stages of planning, we can just assume that Circuit of the Americas is Austin. We'd probably be staying somewhere near Austin. Yeah. Austin apparently is a really cool city. So um, we would probably fit in well in Austin apparently um, so we kind of have to figure out what what are, what are some big things between New York State and Austin Texas or uh, upstate New York and, and Austin Texas um, and we've got a few, we've got a few major um, sites roads uh, places to eat and that kind of stuff so, kind of starting from the uh, Austin area, we've got. Well, you know what? Let's let's take let's get some idea for scale. So, one of the first things I'm going to do is just do um, directions from Dallas to Austin, because I'm not actually sure how many miles it is. Okay, so it's four hours between those two cities. Wow, that's like riding from. Uh, Buffalo to New York City or from... No. Yeah, no, Buffalo to... Buffalo uh, to New York City? Isn't that more like seven? No, okay. Well, from where we are here, I was trying to obfuscate our location. Yeah. So, between San Antonio and Dallas is is three hours. So, a good end point, let's just say we don't mind... It it depends. Texas can be kind of boring. Um, We don't really know where we want to head out first um so let's get an idea of some some things in the area so we've got some interesting places we've got new orleans 
which is staying pretty south. Yep. It's almost directly uh, east of where we're staying, and there's a major highway connecting it to. Yeah. Uh, if we head up north a little bit, we can get to uh, Mississippi, um, near Memphis. And that would probably have to be some sort of uh, overnight. So maybe if we, you know, an option would be probably Memphis for lunch. A lunch stop in Memphis. Right? Would, would we be able to make it all the way there in time for lunch? I think we can make it from Austin to Little Rock. Stay overnight somewhere near Little Rock or Hot Springs, Arkansas. Okay. And be able to get to Memphis by lunch if we're willing to slab it for a day. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. Let's, uh... Let's see, we want to go from Circuit of the Americas. to Little Rock. It's probably going to be eight to nine hours. Eight seven. hours. Se- seven. seven hours, depending on our route. So if, uh, if there's anything there that looks pretty interesting, um, I'd want to put that somewhere in the middle, personally. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Looks interesting. It's a little long. It's a whole two hours longer than the other route. One and a half hours longer than the other route. So, so what I'm comparing is I'm comparing a route between taking Highway 35 from Austin th- directly through Dallas, right up to Little Rock. Um, yeah. So I that would probably be the most viable, easiest one to go. We also have an eight-hour route that stays a little bit more to the south. Oh, we gotta stop there. Where? Oh, at Brian. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Then you can get. Do we add an extra hour so that you can take a picture with a sign? Hell yeah. Hell, Hell yeah, yeah. We do. Yeah. Of course we do. Of course. Of course. So. And that route looks kind of interesting. Yeah, and um, I think I think that'll be less, just regular highway too. From yeah. What it looks like. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's got not, some straights. Yeah, it's got some straights, but... We're going to have to just double check to make sure there are no weird sections on that road where it's like 200 miles between gas station. I don't yeah. think so, because it's connecting a lot of small towns. Yeah. But um, there's definitely that potential. Uh, so this, this we're looking at a, uh, a route that... <laughs> there's a town called Hog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're looking at a route that it's kind of sticks a little bit more south. It goes uh, Austin through Bryan up to Naco, jeez, Appleby, and <laughs> uh, up to, uh, we stay in Texas almost all day. We go through Texarkana and then directly from Texarkana to Arkansas. Um, yeah. And maybe we stop in Hot Springs. Oh, wait. Do you want to end the day on a road like that? I'm looking at Route 7. That does look very gray. nice. And it looks like a nice little curvy, a lot of sweepers. Yeah. It looks like a nice little that, road. And, yeah, that might And be a we nice could stop at, uh, go past Lake Hamilton. We're right there near, um, it's kind of getting into the Ozarks a little bit. Yeah, how far? It's the southern tip of uh, the 
Ochahita National Forest. I can't read that. It's a little yeah, small. Yeah, it's a little small. Yeah, how far is uh, Hot Springs to Little Rock? Like, how much does that add if we scoot it over uh, and add Hot Springs? Yeah, we'll just replace uh, Little Rock with Hot Springs. We may lose our uh, initial... It it wants to take us on a slightly different route, so we'll ignore that. The um, But that still has the... It cuts an hour off for some reason. That doesn't seem right. Um, oh, no, 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 it doesn't. It cuts like 20 minutes off, yeah. I think. Yeah, about 20 minutes. Yeah, 10, actually. But, yeah, of course, right. I, you know, that... Ooh, that that looks like a pretty cool road too. Yeah, that might be a, a really. Well, we cool definitely place to we stop. would definitely head out on that road. Yeah, yeah, we would head in on the road that we saw before. Yeah, and then head out on that road. Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. I don't mind doing some like, you know. Sometimes it's difficult to end a day with really technical riding when you've been yeah. slabbing all yeah. day. Yeah. Um, slabbing is a term that I'm familiar. I, most I think motorcyclists. I've, who do tripping, tripping, I've heard use that word. Yeah, well, um, we're, so we're aiming using, towards, yeah, yeah, we're aiming towards newer people, so slabbing is just highway. Yeah. Just, just freeway, you know, basically any, any road that's super long, flat, and straight. Yeah, yeah. It's just the slab. Um, yeah, so we've got Little Rock, um, that would be, wow, I want to learn more about that. Um, sorry, you can't see it, but there, there are all these streams that come out of Little Rock, and they leave these artificial like curves and stuff where the river used to be. Yeah, that's super weird. And it looks ridiculous. There are all these like ponds and and places where there are trees, and it's crazy. Anyway, sorry about that. Go look up satellite footage of of Little Rock if you can. All right, so if we wanted to get to from Hot Springs, this is the next leg. So we want to go uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas to Memphis. That's probably only gonna be a yeah three hours. So that we might we might need to actually extend that. Or we can sleep in that that day. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. depends. I, maybe we get breakfast and maybe we wake up at six and get breakfast in Memphis. Six is a little early. Let, let's uh, let's do a little conversation about that. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of people really really swear by the wake up really early yep. and ride until evening ish yeah. and then be done there. And then some people prefer to burn the midnight oil a little bit, you know, and yeah. ride a little bit in into the evening. So we're both kind of young. We're not really old people who like to wake up really early. I, w- I like to wake up. I'm not old, but I like to wake up early. I'm sorry. You it's... don't like to wake up early because you show up late. <laughs> you don't show up to all the rides <laughs> that are at like 8 a.m. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, and you're uh, like I like to sleep in a little. I yeah, I like to take I like to take my time in the morning. Is is more what it is. Um, either way, you're okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't like to wake up early. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't like to wake up early either. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at this now, and I'm thinking. I was thinking, get up, have breakfast in Memphis. Three hours. Leave at nine. That's lunch. You're there at twelve. Yeah. yeah. So. 
you know, that works. That's actually perfect spacing for, for a lunch stop in Memphis. Yeah. yeah, so we'll leave at 9. Yeah. And just get a nice lunch, you know, kind of relax, uh, and then continue up. Yeah, we'll have to do some research on the best barbecue in Memphis. I'm sure we'll find something. Yeah. It's freaking Memphis. They're going to have good barbecue. Um, nice. So after that, we've got a fair amount of time, probably another seven hours of, uh, or probably, I would say, if we were to leave there at 12, well, we'd probably leave there at 1, probably want to get somewhere around 7, so another six hours yeah. or so um, of, of riding out of there. So something about five miles away. Now, this is where we kind of have to make a, a choice. Um, and that choice is where are where are we going to go? So we've got we can kind of cut cut a pretty straight line through Kentucky and West Virginia, Ohio or well, one of the two, either Ohio or West Virginia, Pennsylvania, back to upstate New York. Um or we can add a couple days to the trip potentially and hit some really amazing roads like Tale of the Dragon. What kind of question is that? Yeah. Tale of the Dragon. Obviously. Yeah. So why don't you explain what Tale of the Dragon is? You haven't been there, but you know what it is, and our viewers will probably be not familiar. So I'm actually not extremely familiar, but basically the dragon kind of refers to a few different stretches of road. And so, you know, you have the head of the dragon, the tail of the dragon, the back of the dragon, and all of these roads are super, super twisty, and motorcyclists and cars love to go to these places because they're awesome roads. It all started with the tail of the dragon um, being, like, the main place. And then people started giving names to similar roads in the the same area. Um, And you've got some, some really amazingly named roads in that area. You've got, like, the Cherhole Skyway, Tail of the Dragon, Back of the Dragon, the Snake, like, just these these roads that just have these great names um, and also happen to be really fun roads. Yeah. Um, they're not officially named that, of course. The street sign doesn't say Tail of the Dragon. Yeah. But uh, that's your unofficial monikers. Uh, let's see, so... If we wanted to hit those roads... And these are located around South Carolina. Yeah, these are, uh, well, border of Tennessee North Carol- and North Carolina. Um, southern part of Virginia and a little bit in West Virginia. Um, there are some roads in that West Virginia area near the Green Banks Telescope. Okay. Uh, which is another really cool place that we could probably talk about in a few minutes um so uh, if you look at the map where we are now uh you can kind of estimate that we're about three from memphis probably about three month three sorry hours to nashville probably another two hours to knoxville so let's see and knoxville would put us pretty close to tail the dragon area um, which is basically you want to look at 
the border between Tennessee and North Carolina, and everything in there is going to be really, really fun. Yeah. Um, so let's see what, what kind of range that is. So we've got Memphis, Tennessee, to Knoxville. Oh. There we go. Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. say that's perfect then. Yeah, that's five, a, yeah, five, five and a half, half hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of slab. I mean, we're covering a lot of ground to get out of Texas to get to these roads. Yeah. We may want to consider having a light day the next day, which which maybe is getting from Knoxville to Mon- to Fontana or something similar. Fontana's right in the area. It's a beautiful area to stay. Um, it's right in that area of the Tale of the Dragon. Yeah. Um, so put in three hours, something like that, get to the hotel, check in, put our bags away so that we can have fun. Yeah. And just start kind of well, don't say looking like at some of these. What? <laughs> what? Like what? So we can have fun? Yeah. I can't have fun on my motorcycle with bags on it. They get in the way of my hips. And I don't have full range of motion. You wouldn't want me to not have a full range of motion, would you, Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, now that that awkwardness is finished, uh, let's move on. Yeah, so uh, once we've achieved full range of motion, we can uh, start hitting up some of these crazy roads on the border between Tennessee and North Carolina. Um, so we would stay a night in Knoxville? We'd probably, yeah, we'd stay a night in Knoxville. I mean, if you really wanted to push it, we could get to um, not even really push. If you wanted to spend an extra hour. We could probably get to somewhere like Gatlinburg, Newport, something along those lines. Well, keep Um, in mind that it's five and a half hours of a lot of slab, and we would already have done three hours before there. Yeah, that's a long day. Yeah, so that is a that is a already a pretty yeah. sizable day. So I think Knoxville is probably a good spot. Yeah, I wouldn't want to push it further than, than Knoxville. I've done long days. I, yeah. I once did twenty hours um, from upstate New York to um, what was it? Twin Cities. Why am I drawing a blank now? To. Um, Kansas City, Kansas. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was uh, via Ohio, Toledo. So that was a long day. Um, I would. Uh, that's that's a very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, day. Yeah, and this kind sure. of brings up another good thing to talk about if you're planning a ride, is. How many miles and how many hours are you comfortable with doing on your bike on any given point? Because if you've only ever done 
you know, a little bit of riding around the city for a couple hours at a time, don't plan a ride for this next weekend where you're doing six or seven hundred miles in a day. Yeah. It's a bad idea. Don't do that. Yeah. You definitely, you want to work your way up to that kind of mileage. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, you know, let's say you've done a couple of days uh, where, you know, let's say you've done about 400 miles, you know, at couple weekends apart and you say okay you know i mean my body kind of hurts a little bit after but you know i i could definitely i i think i could fit a little bit more then yeah mm-hmm. you know there's nothing wrong with planning a couple of days where you know maybe you're doing 600 miles that's yeah. that's not as much of a stretch that's you know as long as you take your frequent breaks yeah 600 miles from 400 miles is really not that bad exactly I um I actually want to make one amendment to what we were talking about earlier. I'm looking at the map again, and I'm seeing Memphis to Knoxville. And I'm seeing a line that goes through the top of Alabama, which is a sticker I don't have on my motorcycle yet. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a map on the side of my motorcycle with a sticker for every state that I've ridden through. I've ridden in. And I mean, like significantly in not just like cut the edge off of i've i've ridden time in that sit in that state um and mississippi and alabama are both not stickers i i don't have those stickers yeah um well at that point we might as well just add a few more days and hit georgia and florida too atlanta's pretty fun i mean i've hit that's the thing i've i've done georgia i've done florida yeah I don't need those stickers. Well, I haven't, so we should get those stickers, have stickers for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, this is the nice. Thing I, you know what? Me. It's it's a cottage industry. I'll, I'm going to put a link to the company that makes those stickers in the show notes. Uh, they make them in reflective. They make them in white, black, and um, oh, both of those are reflective. Yeah. Um, it's a small cottage industry. This person runs them out of his house. Out of, out of his house, he cuts the stickers himself. Um, really, really nice person. I lost a couple states. I wrote him, said, Hey, uh, you know, I want to buy some stickers. He helped me out. And, you know, um, I, it's someone I support. I would like to support. So yeah, I'll, and you know, I'll post a link. I think I'll, I'm going to be picking up those stickers too anyway. So yeah, they're, they're fun to put on like a laptop or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then people ask you, why do you have a weird outline of North America with funny stickers on it? And you say, yeah. You can say, I rode my motorcycle through those states. Yep. Yeah. I love... People always ask me about it. So, uh, pro tip, put them on the side that opposite your kickstand so that when you put your bike on your kickstand, the, the map is like, you know, yeah. kind of up a little bit and it catches people's eyes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're <laughs> a little off, off course here. Let's bring it on back. So... So, what about that corner in Georgia? There, there's that little... Cut the corner. <laughs> cut that corner? Yeah. How, how, much, how much is that cut corner, though? Like, you know, is that like 20 miles or is that like 100 miles? Uh, you know, I, it would be hard to say. I'm, I think that looks like 50 to me. Uh, um, scroll, scroll over a little bit. Here? No, over. Here. Like over where that route says to the left more. Where that route says oh, oh. Yeah, right there. Oh, right there? I oh, that, that's, like that's nothing. Miles. Yeah, that's like yeah, 20 miles. That's like 20 miles. <laughs> And and also I was looking at this one. I was looking yeah. at the one that goes uh, goes up past Huntsville, 
back into Tennessee. Um, yeah, into Tennessee and kind of stays north, goes through Chattanooga. Um, yeah. Well, so if we if we decided to do Georgia, that would be adding a full another day. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let let's finish <coughs> and kind of call that like an alternate. Um, okay. We'll, we'll call uh, we'll call Alabama one alternate one, and then Georgia alternate two. Yeah. And then that way we can kind of determine, you know, are we spending too many days on this trip, or is that yeah. not a couple of days okay? I f- I feel like you want to have two full days in the ter- in the the um, Taylor Dragon region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just me. Um, that is just such uh, an amazing, amazing roads and just amazing area. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy from here to zoom in on the map and find these really, really nice roads. So, um, you've got, uh, 73, um, State Route 73, also known as 321. You've got, uh, like I said, Fontana Dam and Fontana Village, both really great areas, um, You've got the Blue Ridge Parkway is is around here, uh, and you've just you've just got all of these absolutely insane roads. Um, we could spend a whole episode talking about each one of these roads and how to properly string these roads together, which might be a a good um, episode to do about how to string roads together in kind of a safe way. Um, and one thing that people don't take into consideration sometimes is how many times do you do the same road um more times you do the same road the faster it's easier to go faster um and that can lead to mistakes yeah um when you keep going back and forth over the same road yeah um that being said you know some of these roads are so long it's almost impossible to memorize them but uh i feel like i have the tail of the dragon pretty much memorized at this point um Oh, there's another hot springs there, and uh, Franklin is really, they've got this great little barbecue joint in Franklin, uh, uh, North Carolina. It's called, uh, I think it's called Willie's. Oh man, North Up, there we go. Um, yeah, Franklin is great. There's some, uh, near Franklin, North Carolina, there are a bunch of waterfalls that are really nice too. Yeah. Um, so let's just assume let's just assume we're gonna spend two days in the Deals Gap region. Yeah. Um, where do we want to? One thing we should also think about is: do we want to stay in the same place two nights in a row, or three nights in a row? Might be a lot. That that might be a few too many nights to spend in the same place. So you you think that? This is just my personal opinion. Okay. Um, riding your bike with fully loaded cargo Mm -hmm. uh, takes a lot more effort. It's a lot more weight. Your suspension's not going to be handling as well. Um, Sometimes, like in my case, the extra gear inhibits my movement. It means I can't lean as far as I want on my bike. That's a good point. I prefer to do kind of, especially in an area where you want to spend a couple days, to do kind of a base of operations sort of like Go to a place, put your gear there, 
That way you can take the bike out unhindered and explore the area. Yeah. And uh, that that's just me. It depends on how you want to hit those roads. Um, it also gives you the opportunity to do things like have laundry done yeah. um, during the day. And you kind of know... You kind of know what's available to you when you go to a new place every every night you're not always sure like what what kind of you know where can i go for dinner where where can i go to get you know basic supplies that kind of stuff all right um yeah and that's just that's just my experience yeah that's a good point that's yeah. a good point um obviously you know you're more experienced about this than i am so yeah, we could we could stay in the same place a couple nights. Yeah. Uh, but in the interest of time, maybe we should finish. We we should do all of the deals gap area kind of later, not included in. Yeah, in, in this, this area. Episode. Yeah. And then um, one of my favorite ways to leave is just following the Blue Ridge Mountains um, all the way up. Okay. So because you can follow these basically to Pennsylvania and then once you're past Pennsylvania they become pretty familiar to us yeah and uh, you're home and, and you can get that done in a day you, yeah you know. yeah when you're headed home you'd be surprised um, how much farther you can go yeah the and last I mean, day you can cover yeah. basically from the bottom to the top of Pennsylvania and all the way to the top of upstate New York yeah. in three hours. Well, maybe not three. Yeah. Maybe like four. Four. It depends on, you know, there's some really good roads there in Pennsylvania near Williamsport, Lock Haven, State College, yeah. Altoona. Yeah. Um, there are some really good roads in there. So you always have to add a little bit more time for the good roads. Yeah, of course. But, you know, maybe we head back to Renovo and take some of those roads north. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, Renovo is a great place. Not going to say anything more about Renovo. Uh, maybe, maybe we should cut that. Except that they don't know how to make a Philly cheesesteak. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, that was disgusting. I don't know who puts that much lettuce on a Philly cheesesteak when you're less than, like, 200 miles from Philadelphia. Yeah. And they put just, like, freaking mayo all over it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right, I was very angry. Uh, hey, I mean, look, if we're looking around some cool places, I, we've got, uh, if if we want to hit some sites coming through Pennsylvania, there are a couple really cool ones. There's some interesting stuff near Altoona. Um, you've got Oil City, which is really cool. You can just buy, like, little vials of crude oil in Oil City. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, Erie, it's a little out of the way. Erie, Pennsylvania, this is a weird... They've got some weird stuff in Erie, Pennsylvania. This is one of my favorite places that I've ever seen, and I've been here before. Mm -hmm. It's a Jelly Belly jelly bean store mm -hmm. attached to a uh, personal defense weapons what? place. What? And, and they sell fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> you can go in... Buy jelly beans, a taser, and some fireworks, and you're good to go. And they also have, like, some swords. <laughs> oh, and they just also happen to have swords. 
It's one of the most... It's right next to the highway. It's one of the most ridiculous stores I've ever been into. It's just... It's just stupid. That's so it's weird. so stupid. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. What else is there? There's... Um, oh, we were talking about the other day. There's a town in Pennsylvania that's got a, a fire burning underneath it. Um, oh, yeah. What uh, was the name of it? Centralia. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's Centralia, which is pretty interesting. Um, they've got this coal mine that's just on fire. Um, and uh, then, then we're pretty much home from there. Yeah. yeah. You know? Uh, and that's how to kind of... Um, I mean, that's kind of the basics. I mean, most people know how to schedule, but... Or, or you know, make a line. But discussing... What kind of sites you want to see, what kind of roads you want to go on, what's important for lunch, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, anyone can plug into Google Maps, you know, yeah. hey, take me from here to there, and I'll just give you the fastest way there. Yeah. And then you could just kind of be like, uh, this seems like a good spot to take a, take a break. But, yeah. you know, you might not want to do that. Yeah. So, and, and just, like, even even little things, like like I had mentioned before, like, it would be important for me to go through Alabama. That being said, Nashville also sounds really fun. I could go either way. And that maybe yeah. that's a decision we make that morning. Or after lunch at Memphis. Say, well, which way are we going? Yeah. You know? Um, look at these routes later a little bit. Start looking at for, you know, uh, roadside attractions or anything like that that may want to spend time on. Those days are pretty jam-packed, so maybe we wouldn't throw them in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are always some interesting things. Maybe maybe there's a gas station that's a little kind of interesting that might want to check yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, you know, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, now, so... Oh. So let's talk a little bit about packing things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, before we get into packing things, we have to know what kind of trip we're taking. So we had talked about setting up a base of operations for when we were in Tennessee and in North Carolina area, the Deals Gap area. And one of the options we have is actually um, camping. Yeah. It depends. Do we want to stay in a hotel or do we want to save a little bit of money and, and split a campsite or something like that? Um, potentially... You can save some money that way. Sometimes they're about the same price, depending on what kind of quality place you want to stay in. And that changes what you need to pack. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Let's just assume we're going to be staying in hotels. Yeah. Um, not going to be camping, because if you don't already have camping gear, that makes camping more expensive than hotels, like just straight off the bat, because you have to buy a, a tent and a sleeping bag and a sleeping pad and have yeah. a pillow and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then if you don't want to allot for that space on your bike, then yeah. it might not be worth it to you to carry all that extra stuff if you're not really going to have a good time anyways. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, kind of make sure that you take that into account, whether or not you even like camping. And if you don't, then yeah. obviously don't try to save money camping if you're going to hate yourself the whole time anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, certain stores will let you uh, rent gear temporarily 
for like a weekend if you want to try out moto camping you can find a uh i'm just you know most of the time when i'm moto camping i stay at like car camping places like koas give it a try there stay two nights in a tent i, I use a hammock personally um you know bring a stove bring some food bring you know all that kind of stuff take two days somewhere nearby so that if it really is unenjoyable not enjoyable you're not four hours from home at 1 a.m in a wet sleeping bag yeah and you're like i don't want to do this anymore um so yeah. yeah so um i've done shakedown trips to some local state parks and a lot of those state parks have yeah or like you know that. even if you have like a backyard you know yeah. And, you know, if... Well, I, the reason why I say go somewhere is so that you have the experience of riding your bike with all the extra gear, you know how it affects your bike, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So I, I would mean, definitely say get get go somewhere, maybe an hour, maybe 45 minutes um, away to, to camp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, so what, are you, what are you packing? Yeah, so this is... Obviously, a really, really important topic, but we don't have too much time to spend, so we're going to kind yeah. of hit some of the important things. So, obviously, you're going to need all the important bike maintenance things, depending on the length of your trip. Yeah. So, you know... Wags. Stuff to change your... T- your uh, not change, but tighten your rear chain. Yep. The only chain. Tighten your chain. Wax your chain. Um, you're going to need stuff to clean your visor. Um, most people just use, you know, wet, wet towels, but bring a can of, can of Plexus, um, an extra, uh, set of earplugs slash if you're like me and use headphones with your helmet, an extra set of help headphones. Um, anything else you're thinking of? A tire plug kit. Always good to have. Yes. Um, a jump starter. I, I recommend a jump starter. You know, it. It's kind of one of those things that a lot of people say, oh, you know, I, my bike battery is good. I don't think it's going to happen. But then, what do you know? You're sitting in a gas station. You accidentally yeah. leave your bike on. Someone doesn't have jumper cables, etc., etc., and your bike is dead. And now you're waiting an hour and a half for a tow truck. Yeah. And it's just, that's time that you can't afford to lose. Yeah. So, you know, if you can be the guy who has the that battery jump starter in your bag be that guy the nice thing about a group trip is you can divide some of the stuff up so um in in some of our group trips like two or three we have a lot more people but you know it would be something like i'll bring because i have a nice tire plug kit and you know tools i can bring a tire plug kit and maybe some spoons and you know that kind of stuff a, a, yeah. a tube repair kit and you can bring a jump starter exactly and you know i can bring um a first aid kit and you can bring you know some something else equally valuable exactly uh, i'm drawing a blank on what that would exactly be but yeah yeah and you know this is the kind of thing that you'll flesh out yeah but you know obviously you have multiple people and i would say kind of judge who you're riding with you know, if it's, you know, you and maybe two other people mm-hmm. that you know pretty well, then there's 
I would say generally not going to be an issue with divvying things up like that. Yeah. But then there are certain people, if you're in a group ride, you know, if more than, say, four people, then certain people might be like, oh, I, I just want everyone to bring their own stuff, you know? Yeah. And they're like, I don't want to share things. There are definitely some people like that who don't like the idea of sharing their tools. Yeah. Um, that's, that's your thing? I don't yeah. mind sharing my tools. That's just me. Yeah, I would um, much rather not have everyone carry two of the same yeah, thing. Not everyone needs a full teardown kit. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, uh, not everyone needs a full set of, you know, wrenches and spanners and dots and yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Because so. half the time, multiple <clears throat> people are going to be using 10 millimeters. Yeah. Why have ten, 10 10 millimeters with you? Yeah. It's like obviously you're gonna lose like nine of them because they're tens, <laughs> yeah. but you know. But you know things like um, if uh, you know we're all gonna be doing chain maintenance in the same place at the same time, right? Yeah. So just bring one huge can of chain wax. Yeah. You don't need to. Everyone doesn't need to bring their own tiny little bottle of chain wax. Yeah. You can. Someone can carry the chain wax. Someone can carry an equally large bottle of Plexus. Someone else can carry. Jeremy will make sure that he brings the Honda Pro Detailer. <laughs> and, you know, everyone's yeah. got their thing. And when it comes time to do your maintenance at the end of the day, or detail your bike, like Jeremy, then you, you can all do your thing out in the parking lot together. Yeah. Um, just like with um, axle nuts. Like, as long as, you know, someone has a pair of channel locks, you can get the axle off of, of most bikes to change the tension. Yeah. Unless you need special tools. Yeah, and um, that's the other thing. If you yeah. have special tools for your bike, bring make sure you bring them. Yeah. Don't be that idiot that's, you know, on the side of the road uh, while your friends are just going away because you needed some special part that can only, some special tool that can only be, be, that can only be found in the depths of Germany yeah. because they only make, like, two of them a year for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that guy. Yeah, definitely don't be that guy. Also, don't be that guy who has, like, a seven-year-old battery, and you're like, it'll be fine. Like, yeah. if I have to push start your bike two times a day, and I've done this before. Yeah. I'm talking about a very specific person <laughs> right now. And if I have to push start your bike every time we leave the campsite or every time we leave for lunch, we gonna have issues. Yeah, so basically, if it's something good, be that guy. If it's something bad, don't be that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make sure your bike is ready to go. New tires, especially for a trip down to, like, we're going to be going down to Texas. Yeah. There's a very strong probability that we might try to do an iron butt on the way to Texas. We need to make sure we have brand new tires. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I, even, even if it means <clears throat> you have tires on there, they're pretty good, they'll probably make it. They'll, you know what they'll do? They'll be perfect tires for when you wear out the next new set of tires that you're about to buy. Yeah. And then you can put those old tires back on. Yeah. Don't don't try to don't try to kind of fudge the numbers a little bit and be like, well, I just put these tires on a thousand miles ago. Yeah. Those are brand new tires, but are they gonna be brand new when once you're trying to come back from a ride and you've yeah. put another four thousand miles on them? You know, yeah, they might not make it. 
So especially if you're going to be doing something like if on our way back we're going to be headed towards some really really twisty roads. Yeah. You want to make sure that your rubber's not on the edge of falling apart exactly. when you get to those roads cuz then you're not going to have a good time. You're going to spend half a day trying to find a local dealer that is able to put new tires on for you and you're going to be in a bind and super stressful for you it's stressful for everyone else in the group don't just just make sure your bike is in as good condition as you can get it before you leave yeah change your oil you know change your yeah. coolant check yeah. everything before you leave and I mean, like a week to two weeks, not the night before, as some people have been. <laughs> I know very... someone who has put together their torn down and put together their motorcycle the day before we left on a trip. Guess what happened? Their brakes caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not kidding. It, I know. It <laughs> literally happened. <laughs> and he said he's going to listen to the podcast. So you better be listening. <laughs> so you know it happens weird yeah. things happen on road trips yeah you and, and you just need to be prepared yeah you don't want it to be the night before when you're tearing down your bike and you find hey there's some gasket in here that i need a new one because i accidentally tore it taking apart yeah. my bike or because you open it up and you find you know there's something here that need something and yeah. you can't get it until two weeks from now you yeah. don't you don't want that to happen the night before so don't wait for that to happen <laughs> yeah oh yeah the other thing is it's murphy's law if yeah. there's something on your bike that you're iffy about you're like ah yeah i changed this oil filter you know however many miles ago it's probably fine it's gonna something's gonna happen on your ride what else i mean weird things happen and and you need to be prepared for it the last thing i think that you need to discuss before you leave are um tickets and i know that seems like well if you get pulled over you get pulled over well you're in a group you're in a group all right and sometimes the cops are mean and they pull over just one person in your entire group and your friends leave you and you're stuck there with a bill. Yeah. What happens? So, for us being New Yorkers, since we're out of state and we're not in California, um, points don't get applied to our licenses. But there's still the monetary issue of you just got an out-of-state ticket that needs to be paid. Some people, I've known this to happen, will split the ticket among everybody. And they'll be like, we were all going too fast, and we'll all pay a little bit. Sometimes people are, that's your ticket, you know, you deal with it, um, and that's something you need to deal with. I don't have a personal preference. I've never asked anyone to buy t pay for a ticket for me, um, I've, you know, or anything like that. But yeah. it is a conversation worth having ahead of time so that nobody's caught off guard when... Uh, if that were to happen. You don't want to have any expectations. Because that can really ruin a trip. When one person's pissed. Because they got a $400 ticket. Yeah. And everyone else is like. 
sucks to be you while ordering, you know, steak. And that person's like, yeah, uh, grows all the rest of my budget, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's definitely something to discuss at the time. Have someone be the dedicated Waze guy. He's yeah. got Waze running on his phone or, you know, something like that. And he'll know, especially when you're slabbing, you'll know a mile ahead that there's a police officer. Especially if someone has, like, we've got a couple people who ride with us and they have radar detectors and things like that. I like Waze, personally. Yeah. Um, but but that's because Waze is free and radar detectors are, like, $500. Yeah, they're $500 and illegal in certain states. And yeah. they require you to, like, basically permanently install them on most motorcycles. Yeah. Or they're, like, fully integrated into the motorcycle. So... I don't want to do that yeah. Um, because then you can get really, really big fine in certain states like Virginia. If you get caught with a radar detector, it's like, it's a ridiculous fine. Yeah. It's a lot. And that sometimes they'll take it. And if you have to sit there on the side of the road and disassemble your bike to get your radar detector out, then you got an issue. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like the main things about planning a trip is make sure everyone's on the same page. Make sure you do some of your, you know, maybe you've got someone like uh, a Dave who plans everything out for you and, and just has these amazing trips planned down to the T. And yeah. you know what? I'm going to throw this in there. I hope Dave's listening. Things go wrong. It's okay. It doesn't mean your trip was a failure. It means you all had an interesting time. Yeah. Stuff can go sideways, and it can still be an amazing trip. So, you may want to plan your trips down to a T, but you have to be ready for things to change. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, never, you never want to be so set on your trip that the slightest variation is going to set things off. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be flexible. Make sure that your trips are... Something that, you know, people understand, hey, you know, if we're a little bit late here, it's not going to ruin everything. Yeah. So don't worry about things like that, you know, or, you know, hey, I think that this route looks cool today. Let's yeah. go that way instead. You know, it's not going to destroy your trip because you decided to kind of explore a little bit off of what you had originally planned. Yeah. So... That is it for this week's episode of Crossed Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this kind of more relaxed, off-the-cuff episode. I'm Brian. And I'm Derek. And we'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crossed Up Podcast. If you liked it, you can find more at crossedupodcast.com. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else that you might normally listen to podcasts. We release every other Friday, so see you then.